You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with Peter Bauer. We got the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast, and we are sitting together in the fantastic uh, track and field town, great university town, Eugene, Oregon. Uh, Peter, great to see you, and uh, welcome to, to the show directly onto the show, Peter. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Uh, welcome to Warbling Creek Studios, studio in my house. Uh, last time we were together here, uh, I don't know, it was about halfway back through the show, episode 70-something. I think maybe about two years ago. Uh, we've been at this show for a while. We're friends, we're co-workers, uh, and we connect on this pretty cool podcast that we've been working on for a while here. So happy to have you actually in person and not just through the screens, but sitting on a couch yeah, and relaxing and uh, hanging out. Uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, well, welcome. It's, it's, welcome. It's, it's it's great it's great folks to talk to Peter directly and uh, for the show. Uh, been at the show for almost four years as far as recording, uh, talking to yeah. artists, and uh, the show officially being released in out in places uh, over three and a half years, hundred and sixty seven episodes at present, uh, forty six thousand uh, downloads and. Uh, so, like, really looking at, and, and we've been talking about this, like, the energy uh, around art and around what we're doing, in particular on the podcast as a project, as a arts organizing project, uh, maybe arts incubator, not maybe, arts incubator, and thinking about art and maybe uh, looking at putting it resources into art. But, shit, at the heart of the show is excellent, excellent artist guests. Uh, so... Um, it's, it's a really exciting thing, uh, really exciting thing to do. And, uh, you know, top 10% podcasts, uh, in the world. And we're just, you know, just like doing what we should do in this, uh, in this format, I think. Yeah. That was a cool text message that you sent me a couple weeks ago and we got that Spotify wrapped year in review. Uh, and it was interesting to, you know see some of the reach of the show and the way that it's grown and particularly uh, the number of countries that the show is streamed and listened in. Uh, we've had a number of international guests over the, the life of the show so far. Um, and yeah. so it's really neat to see it's beyond just, you know, us here in the rainy Pacific well, Northwest, but there's actually a, a global community of guests and listeners for the show. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at indigenous guests on the show, we've had over 20 nations of indigenous guests That's right. um, and uh, guests from uh, Greece, Turkey, uh, Ireland, uh, Scotland, um, uh, Britain, Canada, a few guests, guests from Canada right. Right. Uh, and from some of the First Nations in Canada. So that's a piece that I really like. And uh, I saw the weird stat that we're fifth uh, most popular arts podcast in Denmark. Okay. So every once in a while you get subject to these email updates that are just, that they fascinate me to, to, to no end, but okay. we can club around and just, you know, get to that top spot in Denmark, which is one of our beloved <laughs> countries as well. I have some Danish yeah. heritage in my background. Yeah, same, I think it's same. a, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, my great great grandfather was Hans Peter Hansen. 
<laughs> Hans Peter Hansen. Yeah, so that's I, where uh, Peter comes from. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> many immigrant. stories. Yeah. Many stories about Hans Peter. Yeah, from Copenhagen. Copenhagen. But uh, starting the year out hot with uh, Black Belt Eagle Scout, uh, first podcast in 2023. And uh, I've been trying to get Black Belt Eagle Scout on the show for a while, and it's going to happen. And uh, she's incredible. And uh, you, you hear some of her music on uh, Reservation Dogs, uh, Rutherford Falls, uh, other movies. But she's got a new album. In world tour coming out, That's right. which world is also tour. local Pacific Northwest. So um, I don't know. I know when I mentioned that one to you, Black Belt Eagle Scout. I mentioned to yeah. other people, it's like super exciting if you're down with Black Belt Eagle Scout. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very good. It's 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 a great it's a great one. Recently having um, Shara Nova, who is uh, my brightest diamond, uh, her music project, but she does a lot of stuff um, as far as. Um, uh, composing, singing, right. being part of ensembles. Uh, for popular music, some folks would have uh, encountered her uh, in the December's work, uh, Hazards of Love. That's and right. The, the, the live tour, which I explained to Shara on this show, is like the, one of the unique questions to be able to ask is, how is it that you sing in such a way that I get goosebumps? Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> physiologically for that to occur in order to talk to somebody who produces that effect. Yeah. And that experience, I had the pleasure of seeing that show with my wife. I, when they came through Eugene, they performed at the uh, McDonald theater and certainly some of her passages were, you know, some of the emotional high notes of that first act or that first set that they put on. Uh, and in our own family, uh, it's, it's funny that album specifically is known to my children as the scary forest music. Yeah. Because when we, uh, when we drive from Eugene to Bend or Eugene to the coast and we have to go through the forest and the mountain ranges, we tend to lose cell service. Yeah. And so that's one of the, uh, the standby albums that's either on CD in our car <laughs> or, you know, that live, uh, version, we picked it up on vinyl a year or so ago when it came out. Uh, but they, they have this almost adverse reaction to it because of that power that you're talking about, that ability to yeah, there's you know, somebody, sort of sonically there's somebody singing from the woods. Yeah, somebody yeah. singing from the woods at me. They probably look like the woods in Oregon. <laughs> I'm, I'm driving I'm driving through scary forest music. Yeah, there's like a scary forest music core scene, right? That would like <laughs> <laughs> drop in it. That's a good description. Hey, from 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 the from the mouth of uh, babes, right? That's, right? That's about as accurate a description of <laughs> of that um you can get. But um so anyways, uh with the with the show going into the into the new year, um have a lot of big goals as far as, you know, one of the ways to um measure podcasts the way that they're done and RS feed, RSS feeds happen is is downloads, which I don't know, in modern era doesn't won't tell you won't tell you about the quality of the philosophy in the show or won't tell you everything about the show, but is a tangible indicator that some people happening. something's happening and people are listen, listening. It's the measure. So uh, one of the things uh, thinking about is getting to, you know, where we're moving towards 50,000 at the end of 2023 to double, uh, you know, that just that number. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and look at a six figure, 100,000 for. Uh, having a big goal, but also being an independent podcast. That's right. You know, you and I plugging in together, putting the hours that we do, but with others too, as like an arts community. 
And we've always taken the podcast seriously, but I think there's a way that you do anything and when you're creating something is where you dream bigger and you say, what exactly is stopping us from, you know, connecting with these artists or having a festival or producing a, a label? I mean, we've done print. There's a, a, a podcast scene issue number two, all indigenous coming out at the beginning of 23. So we think about print and we think about video and just thinking expansively. I mean, if you're in the arts and if you're not thinking expansively, <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's certainly, uh, I feel, you know, just in the way that we talk about it, a momentum around this show. And when I think about those different opportunities that we have to engage with each other around this, some of the cross-collaboration Maybe in promoting a show or talking about a show, uh, some of the things that are created around that uh, have a very organic and fun feel. And I think that's part of the indie thing that we're, we're doing here. This is very much, you know, you and I doing it for fun because these are the questions that are intriguing and, and really the guests that are interesting, not just to us, but maybe in a, a broader conversation about, you know, what art is. And what the hell are we doing in yeah, life? What are we doing here? <laughs> like, like, what are we? Well, I think I think there's a, a particular thing, even like recording in in a certain format, like the street cast with Death Valley yeah, Girls. You know, fun. like I mean, I know you and I were tripping on that, uh, like great energy. Like at that time, I felt, um, you know, anytime you work on something, it feels like labor at times because you you know you're working. And uh, I was really looking for like kind of kinetic energy, like at the end of the summer being like, what is, you know, let's tap into a live performance or let's tap into talking to somebody before they go on stage. So uh, speaking with Bonnie Bloomgarden um, and, um, and Sammy uh, before that show was fun because it wasn't all the, you know, what's our, it's being like, I'm, we're popping on the show. Like, what's cool? Where are we standing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. There's an immediacy to it. Yeah, we just bullshit. And, and then, um you know, they were so great live inside and just really just took a bootleg recording. And I just feel the energy even listen to that episode with them um because it's like as an individual participant in a show, I just can go back and experience that in a very particular, very discreet and unique way because we recorded and made the damn thing, right? That's right. Uh, otherwise, and it's I a think, great yeah. experience. And but. it's that, I think that's part of the momentum is that participation in, you know, not just the interview, but then seeing seeing friends at a show, checking out a, a gallery opening, you know, watching a screening. Uh, there's all these ways that that connection is built and continues to to spread and i think that's the arts organizing piece that you were talking about and i know you and i both spend a lot of time thinking about the connection we have you know each time a show comes out potentially that's going to a new community of listeners yeah we have so many interesting subgenres. you know within our show of course there's the the indigenous uh, piece that you mentioned. Some baseball. Uh, baseball, the metal scene. A little bit. Uh, we have, <laughs> get that metal there. Uh, painters. Burlesque dancers. Burlesque. Uh, filmmakers. Yes. Opera. Yeah. So we're, we're introducing a lot of interesting ideas to a lot of uh, folks that I think probably have more in common than they recognize. And, you know, and then we have a, a longer form philosophy episode dropped in there you know just to keep it 
Keep it fresh. Keep it honest. Keep it back to our roots, right? Keep it honest. Keep the academy happy, right? (laughs) Yeah, this is so interesting, uh, the way that this show has grown, uh, the types of people who listen to the show, the places that they're from, uh, and then the way that we interact with the art and the artist after uh, the show happens, I think is kind of freeing up how I think about um, this show and just the way that, you know, each episode in some ways is a time capsule, right? For some guests, it might be their first interview. Sure. That's really interesting. For other guests, it might be the longest interview they gave of the year, yeah. right? At 30 or 45. And every once in a while, somebody like they're in an interview and be like, what's up with this fucking podcast? You know, <laughs> I mean, like it could be anything. You yeah. know, it could be anybody have the whatever experience they have with it. So <laughs> yeah. And just the way that it, it uh, moves through time. Um, there's sort of an evergreen nature, I think, to the questions and the creative process. Uh, but it's certainly been exciting to watch some of uh, the folks that we've had on as guests continue to accelerate uh, in in their respective fields. It's it's really exciting because I get excited. I mean, there's part of an enthusiasm to the show that I think on the outside you could say, well, I mean, I do get excited about all these things, but I think you know it might on the outside be like, you're excited about all this, you know, all this type of stuff, and I am because uh, because of the curiosity. But I really like to see and advocate in a certain way for the artists themselves. Seeing like uh, Mitra Mitchell, who we've had on the show, who ever since I first saw her painting, I, I, I really think, I look at Mitra Mitchell and say, you know, mention her name in places around the world and people would know the reference type of level yeah. of, of art. And then just seeing her get, you know, in the gallery and really be seen and just hearing just yesterday, um, she has a funded one year project within painting that uses live actors and uses elements of theater with the painting. This was just this morning, but just seeing around that, cause that excites me and excites, you know, seeing what somebody's like, you know, it's fun to hit it. It's fun to get that thing. It's fun to have that song that people are singing. It's fun to be that painting where people look at and be like, how the fuck did you do that? It's a great, you know, and seeing that and being around that in the sense of community is exciting, something to celebrate. And the show's connected to it in the sense of part of the community, right? Yeah, there's such a cool mix, I think, in uh, the different types of guests that we have, um, particularly folks that are maybe just starting out or, or, you know, you can see that they're about about to break, you know, or about to be exposed to a much wider audience because mm-hmm. the quality of the, the the whatever it is they're producing is so, you know, next level. Um, but maybe not, you know, doesn't have the reach yet or hasn't been exposed to the right, you know, conglomeration of an audience to really spread. Well, well I, I think there's something within the sh- within in, in doing the show too is like there's there there's these accessibility to the questions. Like the, the questions are the net, like you being an artist and a creator is a, is like the net to, um, to bring, to bring folks in. So you can bring a wide assemblage of people because of that, because you're asking a question around, um, around creativity. But I think, uh, what's best about that is the remarkable and varied answers you get, particularly when we're dealing with some polymaths on the show who are, you know, obviously, uh, super talented and have delved into 
the big questions we asked in different fields, whether it be architecture, uh, music, design, fashion. I mean, they have gone deep into that. And um, you get different answers, right? I mean, earlier, uh, be before we get on, you had mentioned things about, uh, I think it was from the Brian Eno cards, uh, mechanized, the, the idiosyncrasy. I was talking about when things develop or there are a revolution or there is cool art or there are movements, it's deep idiosyncrasy. It's deep flashiness or being conspicuous um, that is not an extension of the norm. It's not an extension of what you've seen before. So you take notice of that. And I think on the show, whether it's like music or personal display or how people want to boldly present themselves, that's the shit we're down for. <laughs> yeah. Like that's yeah. the criteria. And then there's also, you know, there's the, 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 the folks that are, you know, maybe at a more emergent part of their career and then some really exciting people who are well-established you know, that we've been able to come in contact and interact with, which has been really exciting. Like I'm thinking of the Kitty Craft episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pam Valfer. Really exciting. Yeah, that's why I was talking about, about architecture and, and learning a lot about museums and space. And, you know, you never know, yeah. you never know what you're going to run into. You never know who the podcast scene of the show was been in the secret election of Vizia uh, <laughs> Dakini in a secret ballot that had only, uh, I think eight or nine electors, but 142 votes uh, for Avizia. So uh, there's some irregularities there, but overwhelmingly <laughs> uh, the patron scene. And uh, uh, the voice of the show uh, from from Dublin, uh, Rachel Lally, uh, going to be having her and uh, poet uh, artist uh, Jeff Finan on yes. uh, Instagram Live. So we're doing Instagram Live. Okay, okay. Um, uh, Vanessa Stockard, uh, beloved artist uh, from Australia, and um, and uh, I refer to them as the Irish, the, the primarily the Irish folks that I know through the show, <laughs> um, and uh, so we can have them on Instagram Live. But there's a piece to the show that I know, whether it's because of uh, time or how we present the show and how accessible that it is. There's something about the vulnerability for myself or for the show or, you know, of being live that I want to jump into so people can be like, I want to ask Vanessa a goofy question. I want to ask her about cats and, you know, like yeah. I want to hear a poetry performance from Dublin. Uh, you know, I want to see these type of things. So I think it'll add a, this wide array. And if you think about the component that you've been encouraging, Peter, around um, video, um, little behind on production of that, but you know, in the near term, video, video podcast uh, with um, with Blair Borax. That's right. She and did a live performance. The live performance and there, um, and uh, recently an upcoming show in the new year. Uh, Rebecca Mills uh, from New York, a very talented, very talented uh, visual visual artist. So, um, basically, more ways to use some of the energy that's out there um and just recognizing the different ways that folks access the show yeah you know the different channels the way that they can connect to it um i know certainly for for podcasts that i listen to i enjoy you know seeing little youtube clips where it's maybe two or three minutes and 
I end up watching enough of those, and I think, oh, I should just listen to this whole episode. You know, here I am, peace. There's an intimacy it. that's nice. But being that. able to, uh, you know, I appreciate sort of the longer nature of this show and, and how we can range a little more. But it is also nice to pull out little ideas or moments uh, that really stand out. And I think the live performance, particularly for our, uh, you know, singer-songwriter types, is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, and as we've discussed it, uh, for our visual artists... Um, brings another dimension to the conversation. I mean, it's one thing for me to picture, uh, you know, an artist's studio. It's another for them to turn and hold up, you know, to the camera. Like, it, no, but it's this blue. Do you understand? Make though? it easy for blue. me. Like, I, uh, I think about that a lot, and I know um, I tried to do it even in just recently. And uh, I had mentioned talking about uh, Rebecca Mills and just who's a visual artist and you have to see the, her outer space depictions. You have to see, you know, the sea, uh, you know, mermaids, but you know, just trying to facilitate ways to come into contact with the art. And actually there's a whole bunch of the show, like as serious as the questions are. I mean, there's something goofy about asking super serious questions to people. You don't know that, that well, there's something like really strange about that experience. But I've always felt at the heart of it is just like it establishes a connection. And for me, I think there's an absurdity to it all. I think that it's, it, there's a great fun absurdity in art of asking, you know, what are you doing as an artist or like asking those type of questions and um, maybe a disruptive element to just kind of um, as you ask those serious questions, you realize you're laughing realize there's some joke, some absurdity, and at the essence, probably, are, am I having fun creating this stuff? Right. Like, am, am I enjoying my life creating and, and, and performing? And if not, like, maybe what adjustments do I want to make? You know, if I ask myself, why am I doing this? Because some guy out in Oregon, some show out in Oregon asked, like, why do you create art? And I really started to think about that. That could help, <laughs> like yeah. in the sense of being like, oh, that prompted me to realize that uh, I wanted to sculpt rather than do what I was doing. So you don't know where it's going to go. It's I think that's pretty open-ended. Yeah. Well, how else? Uh, so we talked about the zine. We talked about Instagram Live. Talked about the video component. What other ways are coming up in 2023 that listeners and maybe guests have a way to interact and participate. Yeah. Another great show. idea from Peter. Peter is a <laughs> idea generator and uh, editor and, and producer of the show. Um, working on a Patreon as uh, a system that I if personally on Patreon, um, you know, directly supported artists. Uh, Mark Palm, a guest we've had on who I, I love Mark Palm, probably one of the biggest Mark Palm fans out there, Mark J. Palm. He uh, uh, supporting his art, getting things in the mail that right. are uh, zines and sketches, um, getting content uh, in, in photography or songs or early content. So being around that and seeing what po Patreon does, there's a component of the show that we've been talking about, you and I, Peter, of you know, generating funds and money and contributions to support the making and expansion of the show. Yes. Because it is worthy for those things. But even thinking really big, uh, big idea when it comes to offering more or having special 
honestly treats art treats for for those who um support the patreon but um creating things like uh, art grants uh since the show does reach internationally and we bring folks in from uh many different communities around the world how is it that we find you know in terms of a micro grant the 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 19 year old young artist you know who's able to get you know requests to us or grant requests to us that you know maybe the art wouldn't happen without it and us you know thinking smaller amounts but something that gets the supplies that gets the canvas that gets the um basic equipment that's needed and helps to generate that art. And I think when it comes to the show and the community around it and the idea of investing in arts, I think that's exciting. And I think that's, that's expansionist in the way of thinking about what art can do. Because if I keep going and interviewing and we keep working on this, and one of the big things that I'm trying to figure out is how we how we use art to help heal, to grow, to have a better perspective, to be ourselves. That's kind of like the foundational aspects of society. Yeah, seems to <laughs> seems to certainly be a recurring theme in our show. Yeah. Is uh, uh, people talking about, you know, art as healing, both for self and for others. Uh, and yeah, this idea that we can sort of as a community, start developing emerging artists globally, I think is globally. a really exciting um, idea or thought. Uh, and immediately makes me want to think about, inter- you know, doing like a short interview before they start a project maybe. Yeah. Or, like, let's what, see the wrap up. Thing? Like, what, what, is, what, is what was thing? the short film that you were able to, you know, produce? What was the, uh, you know, how did the opening go? Yeah. How, what did the demo sound like? If right. you had twice the amount of money, what 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 you would have you done that you kind of ran into as far as a material type of piece or right. you know things just just thinking about it. And to whole. me, that's the most exciting part about thinking about sort of the community within and around the show is not just exposing each other to new ideas and perspectives and points of view, but actually investing in each other to further develop the really cool things that are. You know, that bubbling that, that want to happen, that there are, you know, maybe some nominal barriers that are preventing something great from being started. Yeah. Uh, and so it's that, you know, for me personally, that sense of wonder, you know, what could be, what will be. Um, well, and, and, and the, the roots of, of my thinking in creating a show, I've mentioned Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking, which is, I, I mentioned it to a lot of people as being deeply influential of doing and asking, asking folks to do things, asking them to go on to an interview, asking them about uh, about their art. And I think that's a huge that's that's a huge way to think about what you can do because you can ask the question and somebody says yes to you what an idea that you thought was outlandish and they wish to connect with, then it starts to become real. And I think that was the piece uh in Amanda Palmer that was most important like being bold and saying I'd like to do this and um the question not ask conundrum right you know the question not asked is never answered where you can at least learn 
by saying, hey, would you like to do this? No, I don't know you. I don't know you. And these are strange questions. And I don't know what a podcast is or yeah. hells to the yeah. And we don't, have to, we don't have to mention them by name, but I'm always excited when we get a firm no from someone's publicist. I love firm I love for It those. makes me think. Well, maybe they, maybe the public. There's too much mystery. To There's too much mystery <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Yeses and firm noes. Yeah. So, I, I, and, and that's something that we've talked about too. Is sort of almost as a tenant going after rejection <laughs> and seeking it that's and, and uh, rejection therapy. Rejection. Being surprised when there's a yes, I I I worry. There's one piece about it because my my part of my habit. I think if I explain to you is like after I make an invite, I erase that I made the invite because I don't want to come in contact with it and have my mind be like, why haven't they gotten back to me? I'd rather just do it. It's important to send out, but it's not important for me to chase right. or, 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 or or think about. So to any guests out there who haven't been on the show, but do listen that I've invited two or three times. <laughs> apologies for Apo- that. Apologies for that. That is the primary and only reason I think you would have been multiple. <laughs> I would not see the last message I Coming sent. Coming back around, you know who would be a good guest? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've asked me before, and uh, I'm still afraid of getting on a microphone. But no, it's, um, it's just kind of like that always – uh, asking, right? Like, in uh, in in and there's uh, when you study philosophy, or you know, you got your with your mind, Peter, thinking about the big questions. Is um, big questions can be annoying, and they can throw you off a little bit. Or I know I've asked folks what is art, and they've waited a long time for somebody to listen to them, right? For five minutes. Five seconds, yeah, ten minutes, and that's cool. Like that, that that's cool to be like heard and be able to riff on something and be like, "Shit, oh, now I know why I'm doing it." Because, yeah, you, you said it or you thought it as you were saying it. Yeah, it's creating that uh, space to analyze and examine and interrogate some of those maybe bigger questions that don't make it into a you know, 15 second soundbite. Yeah. Uh, and just yeah. the, the way that sort of the format of the show allows for yeah bigger thoughts and for thoughts. Well, and I want the 15 to 30 second soundbite for our audio, for our audio clip, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're in there. They're in there. Uh, they're in and, there. and they're gold. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's a richness, I think, to this format that, you know, if it, if it suits you, uh, can be rewarding. Well, it's interesting, I think, like, because I follow industry news on podcasting. It's interesting to produce something in, you know, what feels like, uh, as far as investments and it growing and ad revenue, all those indicators, you know, economic indicators, it's hugely expansionist in the sense of money being put into it in advertising and accessibility. I mean, I think if you look at the accessibility, us, you and I putting together this podcast, and honestly, in general, from what I've seen, being catered to in customer service from our distributors, um, yeah. podcast vehicles, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Pandora, all the places you can find this show, is that they put a lot of customer service into somebody producing content for free that is of good quality, and um, that allows you to get the allows you to get it out there, it allows you to get it to um, you know 
to to that larger audience. So, um, so there's a lot of resources, a lot of thinking. There's a lot of jokes about podcasts, any new form, right? You listen to podcasts. Aren't, some podcasts are super annoying. Like, I mean, it's like people putting themselves on microphone. If you don't like somebody, yeah. then you don't know why they're riffing on this. And but they're riffing on this because of this. And yeah, there there can be a very. Uh, I mean, it's a range, right? But sometimes it can feel very much like a local cable access channel. And maybe that's where we fit into that. I don't know. I have such fun uh, memories of that uh, in, in college and undergrad. Well, we uh, love those things. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of channels. We had like the free channels, which were the, the ones that sell you knives and coins and home goods. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the C-SPAN channels. Well, I've uh, you bring up, unfortunately, you bring up these odd things like the, the cable uh, footage stuff. You know, with the found footage uh, channel on uh, YouTube, unfortunately, there's a rise in counterculture that I've become in contact with in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> around VHS and the, the yeah. found lost and found media and uh, madcap performances at 11:30 in uh, you know uh, Bristol, Rhode Island cable access. You know, 1987. There's some treasures in these places. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's some catalogers. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe there's a connection for me for, you know, as a child always wanting to be on, w- wondering what it would be like to be on cable access. Do or, a magic or show. Who's having? Yeah, who's this guy doing their weekly be magic in, show? Every, in the shop every jock. Sunday at 10:30, and thinking like this is just a guy. This is a person who's maybe at work somewhere right now. Yeah. You know, sitting behind a desk. I'll just go up there, I'll get it, I'll put in the proposal, I'll get my own baba buoy, right? And I'll just I'll just roll from there. I mean Well that's so anyways, uh but no, but within within the industry, just talking about the industry, it's you know, it's growing a whole bunch and uh this and that's happening. There's investments, there's um conglomeratization. I don't know what that right, that's a big <laughs> word. That word, the big one where they all squish together. Um but uh, you know, there's bad trends and good trends, right? It's a, it's a, it's a accessible format in a concentrated capitalist, possibly late capitalist model, which will give us uh, our royal podcasts and our Obama podcasts. God bless them all, and uh, other people trying to, <laughs> you know, whether it's whatever they wish to say or what what they want to do. Um, yeah, but, that- but it is an accessible. It's an accessible field right now and you can't say that a lot for a lot of places that's right that's right i think that i think that's what's what's cool about i think that's what's cool about podcasts and there is that uh democratic element and that you can produce something and see if it sinks or swims absolutely uh out there so and there's also the the uh in in the pandemic oh my gosh you know crystallize this we were already there in, on a rudimentary level yeah. but the ability to uh, eliminate geographic space as a barrier to access uh, both for the listener but especially for the guest yeah, uh, makes it a very exciting time to be working in this format specifically because you're not limited to who's in your town right or who's coming through your town uh, but but the yeah, way the local that we can radio. think about you know the the interests of us as sort of you know producers of the show, but also the interests of the listeners, uh, 
you know, and, and the various different ways that that takes shape. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, I mean, I, I think with the pandemic, we were able to do, you know, continue to do the show. I look at like, cause most of the shows were produced in like pandemic times and you can hear it within the show. I mean, I don't know what the, it is. I think like that there was a pandemic going on that there were questions about, you know, the pandemic or what pandemics do in the art or the fact that you couldn't perform, you know, over, over time. And, um, just really just being able to continue to produce through that, because I think you could have not, might not have been able to produce through that because of physical limitations of what you're trying to create or the fact that you were ill in, in a pandemic or the fact that the uh, outcroppings of that pandemic affected you mentally or the COVID itself. There's a lot of, lot of fallout that we're still seeing, but, um, a lot of the show being produced, um, within that and then seeing it kind of transition back out. But it's interesting because the show landed big guests early on, like in my head, you know what I mean? Like, like, Though we were learning like a ton of stuff, like as we were going along at the beginning, you know, we had a, a big artist from you know the UK for the first show, like Hannah Hall, doing like incredibly intellectually challenging projects. We had Anya Khan early on. We had Vanessa Stockard, you know, like early on. So we uh, came at it, and I think we were like, like, you know, strutting the strut a little bit, like as far as like having um, the big guests, but definitely finding our footing and then the pandemic being like, what do you do? Everybody was asking what to do at the beginning of that. Like, I don't know. I was like, am I going to die? Are we going to die? How long is this going to go on? Everybody going to lose their job. What, what the hell is going to go on? Like, and then it's like, no, we can still create, create through this. And right. And just the, the technology the around that creation. The technology, which has improved. And we use Zencaster now, as you know, high quality video. High quality audio, wave files, um, uh, an integrated experience, and just like where the tools we're using and the work that that you do in production are just, we can produce something pretty cool. We think, yeah, yeah, especially you know from a home studio. Uh, I remember when I was first getting into playing in bands and recording in probably like two thousand four, two thousand five. Uh, I. I sort of sketched out what I, you know, hope to achieve as far as, you know, microphones and, and gear and what I could afford. Yeah. And in the, you know, 17 years since then, 18 years, uh, the, the bar to accessibility is so much lower to have the tools uh, to produce something that's interesting. But, you know, the, the tools and the technology is one thing, but it's sort of like the spice at the show. It's the flavor. It's the feel. It's the vibe that that's the magic to me right so yeah that's what the tools and technology are helpful but there's something cool about these questions and these guests and these listeners that the the combination of that at least this year has felt different than the past two years we've been doing this yeah so everybody peter is uh, uh peter has uh, a very fascinating background he has a lot of skills that he brings to the show it's a educator and uh editing and producing the show uh credible ear musician himself drums and guitar you play you play bass too he said yeah yeah bass so he play all those play all those things but one of the pieces is that like um peter's hands are 
you know, your hands are on uh, each show and you help even on um, with some of the live performances, making those live performances sound the best uh, in, yeah. in, 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 in the work that you do. And I know when we first started the show, I would have to say we both had to be at a nascent period of, of way of thinking about doing art big and like being the artist because you were thinking about things with music you've you've been a musician you've done a lot of things you painted you've done a lot of artistic expression you've been an artist but at the point in starting the show where I'm like hey I want to start this podcast you're just kind of loopy enough and I knew that already be like yeah I'll help you out with that and be like, <laughs> all right now you're hooked in um and you do a lot of musical projects so what like f- you know for you Peter like in kind of like you know, developing your music and some of the other projects that are very much based on um, sound, natural sound, mindfulness, and rock and roll separately. Yeah. But like, what what do you what are you uh, what are you edging into? Yeah, I've uh, tried to stay busy in the studio uh, on a couple different projects, and I'm certainly hoping to release those in a more proper form. Um, in in 2023, we'll see how editing takes shape. Uh, the first is a, a project, Flaming Bison. Uh, Flaming Bison. Previously on the show, we played a track from our band Blazar. Uh, we've had a reconfiguration. Love of band, Blazar. Band members, similar, uh, similar in the sense that it's you know long form, free form, improvised uh, rock and roll, um, but also different in the sense that we're incorporating um, a, a sample pad, a vocoder. Uh, a drum machine, and uh, really just trying to expand sound and texture. Uh, there's there's definitely a video component, so maybe in the show notes I'll link to a, a video that we had done recently. Yeah, you play um, you pl- playing some live. Yeah, we played everything. two shows this year. One yeah. in March at a, a legendary place here in Eugene. Uh, it's third incarnation called John Henry's. Yeah, uh, and that was uh, really fun back when they opened in March. And then uh, at Old Nick's uh, in June, uh, we played Big shout out to Old Nick's. We'll talk a little Old Nick's later. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, we uh, stunt, uh, stunt driver, uh, our guest. Uh, Kim Priest. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's incredible. how a show came about. Yeah, you. we just, we, we met there. But anyways, uh, you know that, we, we, we practice weekly. We've been recording some stuff recently. Uh, and then we'll be looking to play some live shows uh, in 2023, I have, you know, just for fun, like a Wednesday night club and, uh, a standing invitation to five or six friends just to drop by on Wednesday night. And, uh, it's just a practice recording. So we start with nothing or maybe an idea or maybe someone that, you know, Hey, I found this riff this week. I found this beat or, you know, uh, and then we just use it as a two hour practice time, uh, to, to have fun uh, you know, take turns playing different instruments, challenging each other, uh, producing each other. You know, what if you did it this way? What if we tried this sound? You know, let's cut that in half. Um, and so it's a really interesting process of just practicing, uh, recording and practicing. Um, you know, how, how do you serve a song? What does it need? Does yeah. it need more guitar? I think it does. <laughs> I think you know it needs more guitar. Or maybe it doesn't, right? You know, hey, what if we cut the drums out completely here? You know, uh, so that that's a, a fun exercise with some people. I really I know about. when Peter Swinford, a friend of ours, plays, he, he fills in with the guitar. Yeah, have yeah. To There's some add uh, a lot on top of 
There's some. Uh, it's a very emotional, uh, very uh, sort of splatter painting approach where uh, I think to the uninitiated, it could be you know dismissed as that racket, you know, or just uh, noise. Uh, but but perhaps you know there's an emotional depth uh, to some of that flaming bison work. Uh, and then the last uh, track is, or project that I'm really excited about and that we'll share at the end of the show is a project I have with a friend called High Cascade Lakes. And um, it, it grew out of uh, my own sort of interest in recording like new age spa music, for lack of a better word. Sure. Spiritual ambient uh, drone synth. I, I started, you know, to kind of pick apart what are the sounds uh, that are present, you know, in that type of music. Maybe it's uh, a flute, you know, maybe it's sort of an angelic vocal pad. Um, and so I have a, a project with a friend uh, where we've made some guided meditations. Just for friends and family, it's on Bandcamp. They're about 10 minutes. But uh, in doing that, I was sampling um, nature sounds because I feel like that's a, a component of that type of music. And I had actually been listening to like last spring and summer, just putting on nature sounds when I was working uh, in the office. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll have background music, you know, maybe. It's Eugene, um, Oregon, after all. Yeah, yeah. But I thought, you know, uh, I had been reading in a book uh, uh, around, you know, like lifestyle and movement and, you know, connecting and that sort of thing. And Your environment. And that was one thing is, you know, you know, we're, I think, hardwired to be in nature. And a lot of my life, the time that I'm in nature is when I'm walking to and from my car. Right, so uh, <laughs> nature. Be that as it may, can I can I bring nature with me? And so, in this uh, meditation track, I, I started back in April. Anytime I'd go on a hike or camping with my family uh, or friends, anytime we'd pass water, I'd kind of say, "Hey, can you go up the trail for and give me five minutes?" And I started collecting uh, some Northwest nature sounds, and so yeah. rivers and creeks and the ocean, and um, just interested in the way that. Uh, you know, the tide comes in and then you can hear the rocks and shells moving around if you're listening, right? That can all get, you can tune that out pretty easily, you know, if the you're soundscapes, walking, I've encountered artists doing soundscapes to feeling immersive that the sounds are around you and you're in that environment in some way. Yeah, so for me, the high Cascade Lakes uh, between Eugene and Bend, up there in the mountains between, you know, four and 6,000 feet are some of the most stunning and beautiful uh, you know, places in nature that I've encountered and have, you know, had a marked yeah. impact on, on me as an individual, you know, personally and, and spiritually on a lot of levels. Uh, and so this project is sort of like reflecting that back. And so, um, you know, long term, it's really so I can have a mix of 50, uh, you know, places that I've been in nature that I can listen to, well, you know, incredible, in though. the office, but also just... Um, there's something interesting about th those textures and soundscapes, like you said, that can say, "Oh, this is this is what Yahat sounds like." Yeah. This is what uh, the beach in Coos Bay sounds like. Yeah. This is what uh, you know, uh, Summit Lake with the view of Diamond Peak sounds like. Yeah. You know, and, and it's uh, you know, like we we're saying that these shows can be time capsules. I think, for me as the you know sort of field recordist, it's a little memory of a trip, but also for someone else encountering it either on loop in a meditation uh, or just listening to a longer uh, piece. It, I think there's something um, diffusing about 
like the sound of running water. At yeah. least for me personally, and I imagine others as well. Yeah. Um, and and I, it's, it's always great to hear about those projects. And uh, I know I'm supposed to record one, but I, I tell you, I hear myself, and I'll, t- I'll tell the listeners now, I hear myself in, in, in doing the meditation. I, I, I got to get beyond... I can get to the point where I can be a guiding, smoothing voice, but I, I think I'd have the beginning of it being like addressing the needs of the, of the practitioner and say some jag off out there just cut you off before you came in here. Here's the principles, though. I'll, I'll put it in a nutshell before I record it for Peter because he, he asked me a year, uh, a year ago, listeners. Um, with posture, you feel that there's a thread uh, from the heavens being held by an angel keeping your back straight and, and your head up. You are inhaling through your nose to the best of your ability. Your arms and uh, hands are on your lap in some format that you're comfortable with and in uh, in the tradition. And the thoughts is the biggest thing. You're set up for posture and the biggest thing that I've ever had help me as a mental way of detachment or uh, disengagement with intrusive or troublesome thoughts is the snipping of the string of a balloon. The thought is there, and you can see the thoughts as balloons, and I snip the strings in meditation. You can still look at the things that are floating away. You can still consider them. They're floating away. And so for everybody, there's these little tricks sometimes. I find that one be very helpful. And uh, I do cut the thread to the thoughts through, through that, through physical uh, attention. So That's beautiful. Thank, yeah. you, for, thank <laughs> you for sharing the demo of... Uh, what's sitting in the Google file now, known as Ken's track? Uh, I think we have some, some yes. really good material to work with. I thought I thought I might be able to do it on on one take. I was um, blessed uh, to be introduced and study uh, Buddhism at Marquette University. That's where I studied philosophy. Um, I got a scholarship there, and I had the course opportunity to take Buddhist philosophy, uh, which was active and practical. And you could, uh, we actually spent 10 minutes in class at a Jesuit university engaging in mindfulness before we opened those texts. And uh, really transformative and um, real blessing. It's interesting uh, the way that mindfulness can be presented to a person. Uh, for me, it was at a, uh, when I was a teacher, I was a middle school teacher for eight years, uh, seventh grade and sixth grade. It was early on, so I would have been a seventh grade teacher. 
prime time adolescence, you know, a lot of energy in middle schools. Uh, I loved it personally. Yeah. Um, but we had an after school professional development and usually it's, you know, some fly by night outfit and not very good. Uh, but in this case it was from the Oregon research Institute, um, which is near the University of Oregon, but not affiliated with it. Okay. And they were uh, doing an educational study to see the impact of mindfulness training on educators uh, for reducing stress. And they in- introduced us to Robert Sapolsky's book, um, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Yeah. And the concept that in you know the wild, a zebra is you know chased by a lion, and it escapes, and it shakes hard for 90 seconds, and then it goes back to being a zebra. Right. Uh, but we as humans are so good at carrying that lion around with us everywhere we go for the next 10 years for a of long, our life. long, long, <laughs> long, long, long time. Right. And so, so using some strategies to connect with the body, you know, five things you can see, five things you can touch, five things you can hear, yeah. combine all those Great things, technique. let's practice. Uh, but I had not, you know, outside of that, not been exposed to meditation in, in any other way than, you know, growing up in Eugene or on the West coast. And, you know, there's sort of a, it's it's baked in maybe ways that it's not in other parts of the country uh, as part of maybe the west coast you could you could you could uh, feel you could feel the presentations culturally in in in, yeah. in different ways you know yeah and maybe that's just more of an asian presence on the west coast and the impact of you know um the 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 blending and learning from you know different communities um but yeah it's interesting how mindfulness shows up uh for for a person who's hasn't heard about it yet or hasn't listened. And so that's part of this project I too. It's just like, Hey, here's a track I made with a friend and it can just, be, just it, listen. And it can be helpful. And I think there's an important piece too. It's like, you know, I think both of us have a streak of being snarky and cynical, but I think it's really important within mindfulness and meditation is to accept it as good unto itself. You know, yes, it's being marketed. Yes, it's being packaged. Yes, everybody's doing it. Yes, I'm given meditation rather than a proper wage. Like all these things are, are, are really true, but I think it's really important to understand that fundamentally the practice, you're not, you're not, you haven't won by rejecting the not doing right <laughs> you haven't and then you, right, you've it's, lost. it's uh it's not just for the doing of it right but also for the practicing of cutting those balloon threads you know when you're in a, a higher pressure situation having already had that neurological experience of letting go and practicing of letting go and saying okay and, and believe me i'm i'm good at this on like one day out of ten Right. Hey. I'm constantly learning uh, by my repeated failures and mistakes. <laughs> oh, one of the peculiar things about trying to become healthier and have healthier habits with you know, creative and, and, and breathing and all those type of things is that I've been able to implement them. And there's the startling discovery of the progress that can still yet be made. So you have to have the like proper mindset for it because I didn't breathe properly prior to the mindset. I okay. also didn't walk the amount that I wished to as a goal each day it would be eight to 10,000 steps. I didn't do those things. And now I will be engaged in many situations, don't always employ it the best way that I can. I will actively, almost automatically go into controlling my breath through my nose once I learned... Uh, in my reading that it's that chicken or the egg type of thing with anxiety and the breathing, right? We think that our breathing becomes messed up 
because we're anxious and there's some interplay, but it's the fact that we're not breathing properly and don't have enough yeah. of what we need in the ear that is making us anxious people. So it's the way that we inhabit <laughs> these spaceships, right? These <laughs> biochemical processes uh, that we're walking around in. Right? This electrical sack of muscles and tendons and fat and bones and Hey, skin. I wanted to... I wanted to talk about some, we were talking, I mentioned a couple of times, uh, Rebecca Mills episode coming on. We were talking about a lot of that stuff, but uh, um, some cool episodes coming up in the new year. As mentioned, uh, Black Belt Eagle Scout coming hot right off uh, at the beginning of the year. We have um, Brooke McCarthy who does a one, a one uh, woman act, uh, how to be an ethical slut uh, on stage off that famous work uh, right on. on stage. Uh, does the whole thing herself. So it's her that's there. We're going to get a chance to talk to to her. And I don't know, like, about the experience, about inhabiting that space, about why go see the show. But that's actually going to be performed out in New York City, and we're going to get a chance to talk to her. Uh, we got painter Susan Carr coming on, uh, who's just, just, um, just absolutely just an incredible uh, and wild artist. And like I said, with the Instagram Live and the Indigenous Zine uh, issue too, and the fact that we're looking to get uh, maybe a couple episodes a week uh, during the month of, of, of January to kind of keep the plate full, both with like some of the bigger artists and some of the artists like, yo, check these people out like right now because like you'll be reading them in the New York Times like, you know, in 15 months That's right. type of thing. So that's what we're trying to serve up. Yeah, in the new year. Yeah. Well, we were talking about this at lunch, and I want to kind of come back to some ideas because we've, we've also touched on them in this conversation as well. But uh, I've been interested in thinking about uh, questions around uh, access uh, to, to art. And I've been talking to a friend about um, who produces art uh, who pays for the production and distribution of that art? Uh, do they have the same values that we have, that I have, uh, that they have? Um, and then there's, you know, more discussion around, you know, the term like Nepo baby, right? Someone's, yeah. someone's parents in Hollywood or in, you know, film or music uh, perhaps appears to put them in a shorter line. And I was... You know, curious of your thoughts. We've, you know, had a, a lot of different artists on the show, different yeah. folks from a lot of different backgrounds, but wondered some of your uh, initial thoughts around uh, access to opportunity, maybe for for an emerging or developing artist. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's such a great question, and it's 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 super complicated. I don't want to say that at the beginning because a lot a lot of times you say a complicated question is that. Um, but it is. But I, I want to maybe answer it in like a little bit of a different way. Uh, and this goes back. I'm going to look over at the poster, Hunter S. Thompson for Sheriff. And I want to talk about his 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 style and the way he talked about uh, ideas that fucked with him. He taught like, queering it up. Things would be queered by him. And so I think when things get kind of queered up and mixed up and switched around, uh, uh those ideas can be radical ideas and they can disrupt how you might view art. And a big one for me uh, in my reading and understanding is, is really almost traditionally Marxist. You know, I, I studied the uh, writings of Marx um, and obviously uh, within the tradition of socialism, there's a lot to say about production, production of art, 
religion, reinforcement of concepts that don't serve the people, you know, the, right. the gaggle of Catholics, the populace, the serfs, the working class. And I think those things are true. I, I, I think that's a real dynamic and a real way to uh, explain things. I also think that if you look at, if that is so, what we've seen historically, like in the Soviet Union, in oppressive states around issues of spirituality or religion and art, which I see intermixed in this sense, um, it's a foolhardy effort to go to human beings and force them not to be spiritual. It's stupid. It's a lack of understanding of the way humans are and what they seek. They seek for. They seek for big things. And I think art's the same dynamic. When you see that the art has to now serve the state, not the bourgeois, you end up in this same type of dynamic. While I think that the values that are being reinforced are better, right? That the working man is victorious. That you can defeat fascism. That these things, ideals, are great. But it's still a dictated way of in engaging with things. So I think at the heart of what you're asking is an economic question. I'm very influenced. Um, I'm very influenced by that. Uh, it's like, uh, what do you do with Taylor Swift, right? Access questions, professional background, talent, opportunities, time. Uh, what do you do with folks who work in uh, Hollywood as an industry and have easy access? And if we make it problematic, you and I talking here, Peter, we're bringing in our guests on our uh, podcast, right? And we're all fighters, like everybody, like we're all fighting for time, attention, listen to our thing in, in our art, and it's tough, you spend yeah. a lot of time doing this, right? So, like, that access uh, question. So, do you see... So, we're looking... You and I... You and I... I'm not saying what the painting looks like. You and I are looking at the painting. And I'm going to say, Peter, what we have to do is experience this painting. And it's a great painting. It's a fantastic painting. And we just have to experience it we experience it for the same amount of time we're going to look at we don't have information on who it's from it's a unique enough piece that's been presented to us we can't establish it to a tradition we don't know if it's male female or other we don't know any of these type of things we know the economic class that was produced we really don't even know the time it's that type of work and we got to sit there and look at that fucking thing and figure out what it is it's tough it's tough because the way we think about art, we're trying to grapple and understand that this person make it out of strife. Did they make it easily? Was their genius tough? You know? Yeah, and I think that's that's part of the question that's interesting to me is uh, when examining the authenticity behind a piece or the perceived authenticity, does a, does a person have to struggle in order for it to be an authentic piece of art? is the struggle that you were put in a shorter line or given access to opportunity, but now you have to hold on to it. Is that struggle greater? Can you, can you equate the two or is that an unfair comparison because perhaps they're both challenging in, in ways that are, are incongruent? Yeah. I'm going to avoid it one more time. I'm going to queer it up one more time. <laughs> Take a look at Francis Bean Cobain, right? Kurt Cobain's daughter. 
a very interesting quick study in that Kurt Cobain didn't come from the type of things that we talked about. He didn't want those things. And maybe in the narrative, that's his death. Everything that was created around him was too big for him. Couldn't deal with it. I don't know. Like, we have theories about that. But it's a massive amount of wealth, which was not given to Courtney Love. <laughs> right. And was given to her. And I think if you look at Frances Bean's art, I think it's tremendous. I love her art. I think it's fantastic. But you're also looking at a trajectory which is very unique and gets to the core of the question that, that we have here. If there's a propensity for Frances Bean to become an artist, what's in her way? Sure. Kind of kind of nothing. I mean, money, access, exhibition space, name, tragedy, tragic backstory, celebrity. But it seemed like there's a, there's a dialogue out there that somehow that experience is cheapened or it's not fair or... Of What's the difference between her and her dad? It's the question in itself. Right. Her dad was the you know this the the, yeah. the scruffy scruffy punk world from figure Aberdeen. from from Aberdeen for fuck's sake, <laughs> you know. And that's not where she, where she's from. So, I I would say this in honesty. I always know and I always have thoughts about how somebody was able to do their thing. Like I I do. I look at sure. it because because of the way that I think about things. I would also say that I actually I think I actively discard a lot of that in that I find myself me my personal reaction to art to be more immediately taken over by the thing rather than the other stuff. The experience. Right. Now, if that thing is the greatest thing I ever saw, and it came from a black woman who came out of the city, who, you know, and at 45, she started painting and produced that greatest thing ever. I think the way that we are, we look at that thing and say, that's even better. Even better. And even bigger. It's that that, uh, intuitive underdog nature that we we carry with us. Well, here's... Here's uh, an additional wrinkle that I want to layer on this one more time uh, before we let go of this this uh, this thought. Um, you know, you talked about the way that art reinforced uh, religious belief uh, and and has a cross culture, right? If we look at cave paintings, right, that those are religious traditions, uh, and then the way that perhaps that gets morphed by the state, where the state. Uh, you know, is reinforcing a message. And by extension in modern times, I would say also the way that corporations, uh, you know, produce types of families, types of shows, mm-hmm. types of movies. This is what Christmas looks like. This is what your holiday classic should be. Uh, my question to you, you know, in, in thinking about who controls the means of production and distribution is what happens when more and more art is AI generated, be it in, uh, you know, stock art that we put in our uh, PowerPoint presentations uh, in the way yeah. that a band could have AI put together their show poster. That's my sort of next question beyond like the inherent nepotism that we're talking about that exists beyond field. I want to zoom in more on the way that uh, AI is designed, produced, or programmed, and then some of the inherent bias or limiting uh, factors that come into that yeah, once we're, we're interacting with uh, I'm messed up I'm messed up on this being. yeah I'm messed up on 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 this issue because my first 
my first inkling, my first motivation is towards uh, technology, like I, not technology divorced from any consequence, but I could not be more fascinated by something than I am by AI and the idea of it and thinking of what's produced in engagement and authentic human experience or creation of art. What I've heard about the, the AI stuff that's produced now generally, and I don't have a strong opinion, but what I've read about it is that there are a lot of images, that there are a lot of hands, human created things that form the, the, the churn of the AI. So I think in the way of talking about it, you have to talk about it properly. I, and that there's no, I don't know if there's a pure AI, but if we're talking about creation that is not perceived to be pulling in from the labors of the humans who are right. producing the things, then we can have a different conversation. But now the AI is generating from the hands of the humans and in an anonymous fashion that you don't know the fingers who um, created it. And in music too, another fascinating right. area where not only can it be produced, but the AI can also think about it for you not only is a, a production type of thing but it's it's the thinking of the what should pre be produced or what would be um appealing so just, just as we're yeah. uh, having this conversation i'm imagining what an ai guest would be like so if there's a listener out there who has a connection to a great uh ai that we could uh, interview or talk to I think we could maybe cut right to the core of some of these questions. Didn't have a core episode <laughs> for it, but I tinkered with it, and I'm going to try to find it. Her name was, her name was, this sounds like the beginning of a good uh, blues song, Peter. You should get the guitar out. Her name was Kiko, I believe. It was the AI. Okay. And uh, I'll have to pull that up again, because as soon as I saw it, that was an AI. I would answer any questions that you would ask them. Uh, you know, All right. What are we up to? What's the universe doing? Please help. <laughs> yeah. This this will be an interesting uh, thought to come back to in future years, uh, as as these technologies continue to develop. I spent I don't know probably an hour and a half with my brother and wife uh, a couple months ago. He had access to some app I think is called Dolly or something like yeah. that, and we were just stringing together words to see what you know, what came up. My I, One of my favorite uh, productions that it made, it was a uh, clairvoyant parakeet uh, with watercolor. Wow. That's how we describe it. Uh, pastel watercolor. Gotcha. And I'll be damned if it didn't uh, come up with the clairvoyant parakeet. And, and, and there, there, there it was. The, so it was, uh, it was this fun exchange, but um, just thinking of the ways that, you know, production and distribution is there, there are already levers on those. Uh, you know, once AI enters into it, uh, I think that's another level uh, cog to to examine. There's a podcast. There's a podcast. It's called the. It's a dash i dash m dash e dash e. Amy is the name of the AI, and the AI is the podcast host, and interviews guests from a universe of superheroes that is created just for the show. They're not recognizable superheroes. So it's an insular universe, gossip, trashy, AI, celebrity talk show. Okay. It exists. So. I, feel, and I, I love to hear you say it exists. 
that's the um my wife and I have a saying like if you can if you can say it out loud and then google it it's probably a thing. Yeah. We were uh going through a bunch of photos uh you know for prints uh, around the holidays for grandma and grandpa and stuff and it's like I would love to get this picture as a, a tree air freshener and hang it in my friend's car. Yes. I wish there was a way to do that. Yes. She's like, "Wait. Search it right now. I bet it is." Yeah. And sure enough, there's like three sites where you can upload your image. Of course you can. Of yeah. course you can. But but it's just of course there's a a show where an AI is interviewing uh other AI superheroes from this insular yeah, trashy sh- universe. Uh, so we can get that celebrity gossip. Of course, you don't there even is. know why it's. What's interesting is such a radical jump. You don't even know why the shit's saucy. I mean, you can mention, you mentioned Kanye, all right? All right, it's gonna be saucy, right? Like you don't even know why you know the Moth Woman uh, dating Superbug is is scandalous. <laughs> I, I don't. I, maybe a few shows in. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying. <laughs> of course, it is. You dropped in. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love um, that. but uh. Yeah, so um, uh, big twenty twenty three. Looking to 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 double to double listeners. Uh, looking to print, uh, video, Instagram live for that kinetic energy. Like we said, when's um, that zine coming out? That zine. Thank you. Um, the zines have been uh, late in production, largely due to work schedules and such. But the zine uh, issue two is. Uh, almost ready to be printed and you can very much expect the all indigenous issue uh zine number two in january 2023 we will email it to you if you like as a pdf format we also mailed them uh for free when we placed them on the shelves which we've done at quimby's bookstore in Chicago. chicago lovely bookstore lovely zine supporter uh, any of the proceeds that come in from that go to the uh, issue we've talked a lot about of uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two spirits, uh, which the show has uh, delved into with um, yes. his Indigenous guests. So, um, yeah, the small proceeds coming from any sold zine uh, would go to that cause. But, yes, uh, regular zine uh, issue number two. And after that, there'll actually be another... Um, zine issue three, probably in February or or March. So, starting twenty twenty three, uh, starting it hot. Love it. And uh, you and I both talk a lot about visualization, picturing the future. And I just want to verbalize back to you something I heard you say on the show, uh, and you mentioned it at the top too. But that's the idea around uh, something rather than nothing festival. Yeah. So that's in. In its genesis, it's a it's a seedling of an idea. It's twenty it's twenty twenty four. Look, uh, one of the cool things is, and then you think about it in a way and talk about it, or maybe talk about it more. You know, I I live in Albany, uh, Oregon, not too far from Salem, Oregon, and uh, you know, I talk to bookstore owners, I talk to musicians, I uh, think I, that I spend my money. Uh, time on this podcast I think it's worthwhile that's why I would talk about it if I'm doing something that's not worthwhile I wouldn't be doing it and I also wouldn't be talking about it so that's like that organizing piece of talking to musicians like in a place like why isn't there a good musical outlet here who hasn't organized like pulling together some people how come they're not authors here but thinking about literary painting um, 
fundamentally transforming the mind or having experiences where you encounter art that help you heal, like the physical healing arts. Um, we've talked about this from, from the very beginning. And um, I see it, and I think we talk about it and connect with our guests and supporters. Um, I think Patreon has a part of that in thinking about uh, for finances and the Patreon. Given One of the things I want to say about that, too, is that the show has been free and a lot of things sent out free. But I also think that when artists do things, it's important for me and my artists that I work with to say that there's money attached to that's right. the time and to the thing that we're creating because there is value. And, and that's right. you know, I think that the ideas of generating new artists, of being able to access things you like from the show and artists that you like to access, put a few bucks down, put it in the tip jar, we're busking. <laughs> yeah, but there's, I, I appreciate the inherent value. And as a person that's, you know, played a number of shows in my life, there's a difference between a show that you play for free and a show that's $5 at the door and a show that's $10 at the door, you know, and, and, and name People your price. Investing in it. And uh, I, I really connect with that idea that it's, you know, not just us as the producers and the expenses associated with the show, but it's also getting other folks off the ground, putting together uh, in-person events, building a community there's a real connection there that um, is exciting for me and really uh, taps into that organizer uh, that's inherently in me of wanting to introduce people and connect people. And uh, to me, that's the excitement of the show and the, the excitement of this, uh, you know, the potential of what we're doing with the zine, with the Instagram live, with the video components, uh, thinking about a show, uh, having the Patreon. Uh, it's really exciting. And I'm very much looking forward to the momentum that 2023 is going to continue to accelerate. Yeah. And I think even too, just the folks know, you've seen we, uh, podcast looks to invest in commission art. Heather Dean produced a piece for us with the claw machine, pulling up, um, the microphone, uh, Mark J Palm, uh, who's been featured in mad magazine, does a lot of great creations, including the fang. Uh, he's doing commission art for us. We've had Greg and fake who do the Santos sisters, uh, put the podcast in one of their panels just by collaborating and asking. We'll have an ad uh, in issue number three of the Santos Sisters, best independent comic uh, out there. So, like, just 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 showing up and saying, "Hey, like, we're for real. Like, we're 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 doing things." We've always said that, and being idiosyncratic and showy about it for whatever is part of our entertainment piece of this because i think what's i think what's important is that both of us while we engage with the art the way that we do with the guests we also envision ourselves being up at the mic being the mc or in the background handling sound productions or producing or whatever i think we both see ourselves in role of the creation and the participation with art so it isn't uh so it's immersive in, right. in that sense. And, and that's the part where I think that part comes from you and comes from us is to like, you like doing this shit? You like listening to this music? You like pains, pains like that? Amen. Let's rock and roll together. Let's not give a yeah. shit, you know? Yeah. And if you can't do it within arts, man, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> thanks for hanging out with me today. Yes. Uh, in the studio. Thanks for Love being you, here. Love you, Gene. Uh, it's a, it's a typical gray and uh, rainy day. I got my sun lamp at home. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to tell me that the sun got back from vacation in a sunny place, and I think my uh, tan will last about 48 more hours uh, until I'm back to my pasty uh, winter self. And that's just fine too. I appreciated the vitamin. Well, and D. the thing is, for the heat and the the heat and such, I know in Australia we'll be talking to Vanessa Stockard soon. It's summer there too, so if we need little blasts <laughs> of different type of energy, we have to we do have to circle. The we globe, got so. we got to reach globally. Uh, awesome! Thanks for hanging out in Warbling Creek. Thanks for coming down to Eugene. Uh, I will start queuing some music now. Uh, and yes. that'll be uh, a segue into some high cascade Thanks, links. everybody. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate you. Yeah. All right. Take a comfortable seat on a chair or cushion. Or you can lie down on a bed, couch, or floor. You can also do this meditation outdoors, sitting or lying directly on the ground. If you are in a sitting position, keep both feet flat on the floor or ground. Take a deep breath in and know that you are breathing in. Exhale and know that you are breathing out. Let's take one more deep breath in. Breathing in, I know that I am breathing in. And then a full exhale. Breathing out, I know that I am breathing out. Now, let your breath return to its natural rhythm. Take a moment to feel whatever is supporting your body. If your feet are in the grass, you may want to wiggle your toes and notice what the grass and ground feel like. 
If you're lying down outside, feel the sensations of the earth in all of the places that your body is in contact with the ground. If you're sitting or lying down inside, feel the solidity of the floor or furniture beneath you. If you're not directly on the ground, take a moment to realize that whatever it is supporting your body right now is being supported by the earth. However your body is positioned, feel that the earth rises up to meet your body, to hold it and carry it. You may also want to imagine that your body is sending roots back down into the earth. Become aware of what you feel in your body at all of the places that are in contact with the solidity of the earth. You may want to take a moment now to rest your hands on the ground. Breathing in, I know that I am connected to the earth. Breathing out, I know that the earth is connected to me. We'll take a few minutes of quiet breaths like this. What is this connection between our body and the earth? Imagine that there are no barriers between you 
and the earth. Let all boundaries fall away. Feel the energy that passes back and forth between you and the earth. Notice that this happens all by itself. There is no separation between our physical bodies and the earth. Every day of your life, the earth has been supporting you. Where do you feel gratitude for the earth? Maybe you're grateful for the earth's solidity and stability, or its cycles and seasons, or its rivers, lakes, streams, and oceans, or its trees and mountains, maybe its deserts and plains. As we close, I invite you to imagine that you have everything you need to feel that you are connected to the earth and the earth is connected to you. Breathing in, I know that I am connected to the earth. Breathing out, I know that the earth is connected to me.